The Walking Dead. It's on tonight at 6 o'clock, actually. Clay, want, Clay wanted me to give that plug, of course. Um, you know, this morning, before we started our service, I wanted to just uh, lift up and honor all those who are coaching uh, children's sports. I know most of you are parents who participate in the community to really give back and support. And most of these soccer organizations are volunteer organizations. If you're, a, if you're an AYSO or a coach that volunteers in your own, on your own time and your own dime, please stand up for a moment. We just want to honor you and let you know how much we appreciate you guys in the community and what you do. It, it makes a big, big difference what you do for the kids. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for your award, we're going to let you have fun at the Harvest Festival. You can have, you can have chili. You're going to have candy. You can, play, you can play the kids' games. Um, you know, this morning, we're, if you haven't been with us several weeks, we're really going through the book of Luke. And we are really getting to know the Bible. And if you're visiting with us, we're a church that really wants to know the Bible. We want to know the words of God. We don't just want to come to church and, and become a church sitter. We want to come into church and learn something that we can actually apply at home. Amen. That we can bring it home into our household into our lives, just to make a difference. So we're, we're going to know this concept, who is Jesus? And what do, we want, what do we want to learn today from Jesus? Another question is, who are you? Where are you spiritually? It's always a good question to ask yourself, if you're a God seeker, a truth seeker, a Christian, where are you spiritually? How can I align my soul and my heart with the Bible? So I can live life to the full. So the question is, how shall we live? Because we are known by our choices. People at work know us by our choices. People at home know you by your choices. People in your neighborhood know you by your cho choices. See, I know who doesn't pull their trash cans back in our, in, our, in our alley. I know who doesn't do it. They've chose to leave it there for, for 14 days straight. It goes back in your thing, right? I'll do it for you. That's where it goes. All right. We know the choices we make. So we're no, if we're known by our choices and we want to live by God's word, there's something in between our choices and God's word called temptation. It's the in-between. It's I know the Bible, I, I love God, I want to know God, I make these choices, and then there's this thing in the, before it happens. It's called temptation. And it's the concept that, that really gives you either the great choices or the poor choices we make in our lives, right? So I want us to look at our moral compass this morning. How, in what direction is it pointing? Is it pointing to the, to the scriptures? Does it point just to my emotional responses to things? Where does our compass point? You know, we may not know everything in the Bible, but maybe we're trying to make common sense decisions. A lot of times we just make decisions just based on common sense. And that group, is highly susceptible to severe temptation to make the wrong choice. If we just go by our, our gut or our instincts, sometimes they're wrong. They're really wrong. So we're going to take a look at history today a little bit of God's people called Israel. And at the time of the Bible, the New Testament when it was written, they were subjects of the Roman Empire. A lot of emperors there, and they were the subjects. And there was a lot of animosity that the Jewish Israelites felt toward the Roman government. They were waiting for a Messiah to come 
and release them with a military coup or a takeover of that empire. And so um, what we want to understand today is, you know, what was the root cause for the Israelites? What was the root cause of their situation? And how many times do we find ourselves in trouble only to blame our situation on the wrong root cause? You ever do that? The kids get corrected and they're not, they're not sure why. You just kind of, get over there. The dogs run for a hiding place when you come home. The spouse gives you the look. You okay? The root cause sometimes is us. But we want to make it something else. We make things even worse when we don't realize that we're part of it. And we're just as responsible. And it's that decision we make and in between our, what we know about God and our decision called temptation. And what do we do with temptation? So the root cause of Israel's dilemma was that she was still in exile. They weren't their own nation anymore because of years and years of refusing to serve God. They claimed to know God, but they added other gods. For years they were doing that, and they found themselves in a spiritual exile, frustrated, angry, blaming the Roman government, when really, it was them. It was their choices. They were tempted, and they gave in. Sin, yes, is our problem. Yes, we are known by our decisions. So look in your Bibles today in Luke chapter 4. We want to we we share the Bible with you. Before we go out to the Harvest Festival, and you're getting really tempted to eat more than you should, right? We, we should grab one candy, but we grab, we grab a fistful of candy. Those are my decisions at times. Eating late at night, tempted. Our stomach gurgles, right, 11 p.m. Ooh, instead of getting something, an apple, we get fully plated leftovers. Put them in the microwave. Eat this up. It's make me feel good. In the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm looking more. It's like, did I sleep enough? <laughs> no. It's because my body could not burn what I just put in my mouth at 11 p.m. at night. I'm just sharing my life with you. <laughs> right? Notoriously, I used to do that. Now I'm cutting back. Now I take a little dark chocolate. Antioxidants. <laughs> Good for the hearts. Right? Not a plate. Just a chocolate, right? And in Luke chapter 4, the first person that Jesus confronts in this chapter, and the person who is the root cause at times for many of our decisions, is Satan. And the first thing he does, he confronts the real enemy. It's not your spouse. It's not your dog. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. It's the devil. He wants to tempt you to live opposite of the Bible. Amen. And Jesus was led out in the wilderness, and for 40 days, he has to withstand the temptations of the devil, who was once an angel that worshipped him, ironically, who wanted to be like God and become God, and so there was a war in heaven, and he got thrown out of heaven. He is the light bearer called Lucifer, Satan, which means adversary, the devil, He's not this horned guy with a tail and red-looking and evil-looking. He's very beautiful, very handsome. If you were some today, you'd be like, man, I want to marry that guy. 
That's how impressive he is. He's not this ugly person. He's magnificent. His beauty is none other than anyone else can compare. That's what made him prideful. And that began his fall. So the Israelites had just left Egypt. And for 40 years, they were also in the wilderness. And they were tempted too. Now, ironically, Jesus' temptation parallels the Israelites' 40 years in the desert to his 40 days in the, des in, in the desert. It, it's a parallel because the Israelites failed. And where, where they failed, Jesus does not fail. Amen. So it's an encouraging thing to see Jesus being tempted with almost the same things, but him not fail to give us an example. Okay? Let's look in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. You know, one of the major issues for us in our temptation is not to trust God. It's easy to say, it's another to trust. And so this was the temptation, the first one, that the devil, Satan, his adversary, is tempting Jesus about his physical needs. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. You know, you notice how he wastes up the 40 days are gone? After 40 days of not eating anything, you're mostly at your weakest point, your most vulnerable point in, your, in, his, in his life here. And he says, hey, if you're the son of God, tell that stone to become bread. Now, if we go back in time in the Old Testament, because they, they parallel the same wilderness experience, God's people in the Old Testament had to believe God's word was trustworthy for their very existence, right? Because they were led out of the desert, I mean, out of Egypt. And they, they were, they were going to live a new life. And if it's not God's will... For them to live, they would have certainly have died in the desert. Therefore, they did not live on bread alone. They lived also by the very words of God. Because when they were out in the desert, they were hungry. And they were, they were going, hey, Abraham, hey Moses, where's our food? And they complained. And so God provided manna for them. Every morning they would have something to eat every day. If you know the story, they got tired of the bread. You know, I'm like, bread? Where's the meat? So God gave them quail. Quail? Quail? So every, every time God gave them something, they would just complain about it after they had it for a while. It's kind of like your wife making pasta and chicken every day, right? After a while, you're like, honey, is there something else on the, on the menu? You know what we get? We're like the same way. We're not grateful. We have food in our mouth, right? When our physical needs are slow to get met... Something must be wrong with the Father's love. That's a temptation. When a relationship goes bad, why is God doing this to me? When you lose your job, why did God do that? When you have poor health, why is God doing this to me? When someone dies, was it really their time, God? There's temptation all around us to doubt whether God will provide for our needs. You know, in Exodus 16, as I said earlier, they got angry with Moses. 
They were very angry that God did not provide for them. But God would have not have brought them out of Egypt to have them starve. See, it was just the temptation was their timing of it. A lot of times our temptation, if it's not here right now, when I ask for, I question whether God is really involved in the process. Hey, I asked for this four days ago, God. Why is it not here? And we think that God will not provide. We think God will not give us our bread. We have needs. But God wants us to trust Him in the process. So with Jesus, Satan is tempting him with, do it yourself. Give yourself the bread, Jesus. Rely on yourself. Take care of yourself. Because God won't do it. Meet your own needs. You know, Satan uses logical thinking, which is what we relate to, right? It makes sense. It's a temptation. But the reply of Jesus is his reality with his relationship with God. It is written. Well, where is it written? In the Old Testament, because that's what he quotes. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 in verse 2. I think I have it on the screen. If we can look at it together. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the desert 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your hearts, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell for 40 years. You know, Jesus is quoting the, the, the passage in Deuteronomy, reminding the Israelites when they, were, when they failed, He will not. And when God's people didn't trust God to take them to the promised land, He humbled them to see what was in their hearts. You know, a lot of times we get challenges, it exposes what's in our heart. It exposes one thing. Do we trust God? Or are we just churchgoers? Here is Jesus without food for days. And here is Satan tempting him not to trust God and to take care of himself. Jesus decides. He makes a decision to trust God's word and resist the devil. And that's why I think many of us can fail. We trust our logic. We trust our reasoning. We trust our gut. We trust our instincts. And sometimes those work out for you. But sometimes they go directly against the scriptures. And we lose a footing in our relationship with God. Instead of it strengthening us, trusting, we learn to strengthen our own conclusions that, hey, when the push comes to shove, i got to trust myself. And it's a footing we lose in our relationship with God. It's a footing. You know, when I was dating Karen in the church, you know, when you date in the church as a Christian, you don't really know if they really totally like you. At least back, well, that's how it was back then. Now it's a little different, obviously. But back when I was dating Karen, you know, I was just, does she like me? You know? And the temptation was to go like, you know, 
give her like 12 dozen roses, chocolate every day, do all these wonderful things. Tell her, I love you, I love you, I love you. I can't stop thinking about you. That was the temptation. I can't stop thinking about you. I just, you're, you're amazing. Just to kind of seal the deal to, sh- to see if she really liked me. And one of that was hard. Because outside of being a Christian, that's how I knew only relationships would work. Being a Christian, I had to trust that, that she, was, she liked me because she was saying, and when she writes write you a card, hey, thank you for the date, I was like deciphering it. She said, thank you. She capitalized, thank you. <laughs> wow. It's a sign right there. She says, I'm very grateful for you. Wow. Underline grateful. But, you know, despite my, my attempts to def- decipher the code of her writing, I just had to pray and pray and pray and pray and trust and pray that God would work it out. That if God wanted Karen and I to be together, it would happen. And I could trust that. You know what? It did. Within, within, within dating and marrying her, it only took four months. That was pretty cool. I was pretty happy I trusted God. I was pretty encouraged. You know, almost 13 years later, the love of my life. Now I can tell her, I love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. I can't stop thinking about it. Of course, because we're married. You should say that to your wife. You're amazing. You should take your wife on weekly dates. It's amazing. There was a time when I thought that was impossible to do. To d- a date? That's impossible. We're married. That's what I used to think. We're married. See, we're married. I'm committed. I'm not going to take you on dates. We're, I'm committed. I'm devoted. It's enough. Ken's like, nah, it's not, it's not happening. It's not working. <laughs> Verse 5, the next temptation. The temptation to forget God. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. You know, it sounds, it sounds odd because Jesus is the king of kings, right? But he was in human form. Yeah. So there was some limitation. I mean, he could, have, he could have gone and become the deity and did it all, but he had a plan of going to the cross. And this was a plan to throw him off that route. I'll give you authority now. I'll give you the, the splendor now. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you now if you bend a knee. You think one temptation would be enough. There's many. The entire kingdoms and, the, and, your, and their authority will be yours if you bend a knee. How does that relate to us? Well, if you just work on Sundays, spend a knee, it'll all be yours. All your financial struggles will be resolved. You'll get triple overtime if you just bend the knee. It's a reality for us, too, in our tough economic times to bend a knee Versus the scriptures. We should never compromise or put in jeopardy our relationship with God. For anyone. Amen. But it's a temptation. It's a reality. Jesus would have to be dependent on the devil rather than on God. You see, we're known by our choices. Have you bent your knee to the man? Or have you stood for conviction? But I'm not doing that. Yeah, I may drive a Hyundai, but I'm not doing that. 
All right? My car may be old, but I don't have a car payment. I'm not bending my knee. And that was the temptation for Jesus. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Let's look at it on the screen. This is what Jesus quotes. So he's fighting Satan with the history of where Israel failed. He's fighting with the same account. He's showing him, I will not fail where they failed. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities that you do not build, houses with all kinds of goods that you do not provide, wells that you do not dig, and vineyards and olives you do not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God and serve Him only. Take your oaths in His name. He's talking to the second generation of the Israelites. When the first went through, they planted all these things. They planted all these things. And so the second generation comes up and they forgot how hard it was to trust God in that process, and they took everything they had for granted. And if we're not careful in how we live, our children will grow up ungrateful what it's like to being a disciple of Jesus. They'll forget what you went through. They'll forget, hey, how, how hard it was to trust God if we don't resist our own temptations in their eyes. If they see us just give in to every whim of temptation, guess what, guess what they learn to do? They give in too. They give in too. And so Jesus here is telling the story that Moses warned the people about their attitude when they finally got to achieve the promised land. The temptation for them would be to praise themselves and forget to worship God. Jesus, by quoting this verse showed him he was not going to make the same mistake. The temptation was to seek glory for yourself. The praise of men rather than the praise of God. On two occasions, they tried to make Jesus king. They wanted him to be the Messiah. They were, hey, you're the man. And he, and he, and he walked away. Because that was not why he came. See, our greatest temptation is to seek glory. <laughs> That's our greatest temptation. We want people to recognize our skills. We want people to recognize our overall speed and ability. Right? You know, I coach soccer. You know, and I want to win. I mean, if you're a soccer coach, you want to win. That's why, you're in the, that's why you do it. No one does it to have an 0-10 record. I don't know any coach that, that volunteers to have that kind of record. But the temptation is to think that you, know, you want to do it for yourself instead of the kids. And we can lose ourselves. I've seen some coaches lose their mind out there. They lose their mind. It's like these are seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. They're just doing this for fun. And you know, you know, the other day, Karen's like, hey, Gio, you, know, you were a little loud this week. I'm like, honey, you know, it's first place. We've got to you know, make sure we've got to seal the deal. You gotta, you know. It's like, yeah, but you were, and Juliana's like, yeah, Dad, you, like, you, like, you yelled this week. And I was like, well, it was the wind. So the wind was blowing, and it was, I, I, you know, I was trying every excuse to justify what I did. It was the wind, Santa Ana. I was like, oh, I had to scream extra because it, it, it was howling. And No. 
The temptation was to seek glory for myself. The temptation was so the parents would feel, oh, what an awesome coach he is. Oh, what an awesome job he's doing. And forgetting that this is all about the kids anyway. If I wanted to do that, I would, you know, I'd try to coach, uh, you know, a high school team, right? I forgot. I forgot why I was doing what I was doing. I forgot this is all for God's glory, not my glory. I for, you forget that because you get caught up in the moment of trying to do have success. And my intentions were I wanted to be great to have impact and invite people to church. But, you know, sometimes it gets all mixed up because you're like, we're in first place. Let's go for glory. <laughs> you start doing it for yourself. And the kids feel it. The kids start to feel it. They know it. it's not for your, yourself. You know, something else I struggle with is, you know, um, when I do something good at home, I want everyone to know it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you struggle with that, but I certainly do. I'm like, you know, if we're playing water balloon fights, and I'm like, oh, did you see that shot? Pause, pause. Did everyone see that? That was an amazing shot. I want everyone to know what happened. Or if I did something great, I want, hey, did you see that? I want people to acknowledge something I did great. Maybe because I, wasn't, I didn't get encouraged as a kid. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I didn't get enough of that growing up, obviously. And, and my kids tell me, Daddy, let someone else say that, not you. It's kind of a, it ruins the moment. Julian, I was like, Julian, I was like, it ruins the moment. It's like, you know, when you say it, it's like, we thought it was a good shot, but let us say it, not you. <laughs> Lot to learn, right? The temptation was for me was to seek glory for myself. Like, y'all recognize that was a great shot. That was an awesome, you know? But I'm, I'm seeking glory for myself. We all can do it. Yeah. You know, we're at, we're at the job, we're at work, we... We want to seek glory. We want to seek a raise. We want to seek it. We want people to recognize us. And in the process, we forget that God is in control of all of that. It's God who raises up men and raises up nations, not us. So that's why Jesus says, when things go, go good, don't forget God. Because we're really good about seeking God when things go bad. We get on our knees when we realize things are bad. And when things are good, we don't bow a knee to God. We almost lift ourselves up saying, I got myself out of this. And that's a temptation for all of us. And then in verse 8, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. You know, Jesus fought temptation with the Scriptures. He didn't use logic. He didn't use reasoning. He used the words of God to blunt the temptation. And when we fail to go to the words of God for strength, we get knocked down. There was this little guy sitting in a bar, drinking his beer, minding his own business, when all of a sudden this great big dude comes in and whack, knocks him off the bar stool and onto the floor. The big dude says, that was a karate chop from Korea. The little guy says, thinks, jeez. So he gets back on the bar still and starts drinking again, when all of a sudden, whack, the big dude knocks him off again and says, that was a judo chop from Japan. The little guy has he's had enough. He gets up, brushes himself off, leaves quietly. The little guy is gone for about an hour or so, and he returns. Without saying a word, he walks up behind the big dude, wham, knocks the big dude off the stool, knocking him out cold. The little guy looks at the bartender and says, when he gets up, tell him that was a... Crowbar from Sears. 
If we play with temptation, if we entertain and dance with temptation, you're going to get knocked down. And we can do that. Whack. I can figure this out on my own. Whack. I don't need to pray, I don't need to pray about this. Wham. You get a spiritual crowbar from Sears. If you dance with temptation long enough, you'll get knocked down. There's a temptation for all of us. Let's look at verse 9 together. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, the, Bible, the devil uses the Bible now. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in, his, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know, Satan tempts Jesus with not being the rightful son of God. Do this miracle and prove it. Show the world who you are. You know the appeal to our pride? You ever get prideful? No, of course not. You guys don't get prideful, right? Of course not. Never. Here is Satan, the theologian. He quotes Psalm 91. And Jesus answers, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. He quotes Deuteronomy again. Where the Israelites failed, he will not. It's about an incident that happened earlier in Exodus 17. They got mad at Moses. Because not only was there no bread earlier, but now there was no water. And they accused Moses of letting him die of thirst. How could you bring us out of Egypt into the desert to die of thirst? There's two million of them. So God instructs Moses to strike a rock. And out comes the water. And it's marked in the Bible for a reason. To show us that God will not let you die of thirst. God will not abandon you. God will not leave you Amen. when the times are difficult. He may be testing what's in your heart. He may be wanting to see if you really trust Him. Do you really trust God? That may be all it is. But time and time again, the people fail because they got angry. They accused God of not caring about them. Why would God bring them out and let them die? Why would God make you a Christian just to watch you fall? Why would God? God makes you a Christian because He wants to see you in heaven. That's His goal. That's why He's like, hey, I want you to make it. I don't want to make it hard for you to make it. I want you to make it, but... Are you really here for me? Wow. Are you really here for me? Yeah. When you want, don't you want to know that in a relationship? Yeah. When you like a girl or like a boy, you want them to like you? Do you really like me? Do you really want to know me? Wow. You know, when I was dating Karen, you know, the you know, other brothers were asking Karen, Karen on dates. I mean, there was competition. There was fierce competition. <laughs> Pretty girl like Karen, I was like, woo, the brothers asking after I was like, go right ahead, bro. Hey, bro, this is cool. She's, she's not dating anybody yet. <laughs> right ahead, brother. Ask her on dates, and it was awesome. I was just like, hey, man, just got to... <clears throat> and some of those brothers, I was like, that's a handsome cat right there. I hope, uh, 
I hope she doesn't like him. There are brothers that were a lot better looking than me, taller than me, lighter skinned than me. I was like, but I didn't get angry. This is one area of my life where it's where I didn't get unspiritual. Because I knew the I knew I knew the, I knew one thing: the person I marry will, will determine whether I make it to heaven or not. Right. That's what I knew. I knew that to be true. I saw it time and time again in church. I saw it over and over again. Who you marry has a big factor whether you make it to heaven. Because it's your partner. They're going to be there when the good good times and bad times. Yeah. And you want someone that's going to be in the trenches during the bad times. And help you through it. And this was Satan. He wants us to doubt God's love. He wants us to doubt and feel like God is not with us. You know, they, this passage is when God's people wondered whether God was really with them. And I know we can wonder that. We've been Christians 5, 15, 20 years. And we wonder, is, is God still with us? You can wonder that. But we have to know deep inside. That God is not a liar. Amen. It is yeah. Satan who is the liar. Yeah. And the father of all lies. Wow. So we're known by our decisions. Look in this passage here in Luke 14. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. You know, just because he survived this temptation doesn't mean he didn't tempt Jesus again. Yeah. So what can we do? We can be self-controlled and alert. In other words, you need to be aware of your temptations. Right. Amen. Know that, you know, hey, I'm being tempted right now versus, oh, I, I just feel it. I'm going to do it. Take that. Hold on. Feel You feel it? Okay, hold on. Let's, let's go to the scriptures now. I'm tempted. Now let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? How should I, how should I make my choice? What the Bible says, right? Be self-controlled. Go back one. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, you know, for an opportune time. Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Next slide. This is James. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. You know, Satan is going to wait for the right moment to strike. You got to resist and you got to fight a little bit. You cannot quit when you're tempted. The reason why the scriptures teach us this is because Jesus can sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way, just like we are. It says that in Hebrews 4.15. What can we learn about temptation? Well, if we submit to God's word, if you don't know it that well, I want to encourage you to study the Bible with us. We'll teach you. We can help you know the Bible through a personal Bible study. Number two, we can resist the devil with the scriptures. Amen. A lot of times we're just fighting the devil like this uh, 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 with, no, with no scripture. And we're just like holding on. You can only hold on for so long. Try hanging out. Try hanging from monkey bars. You can only hang on for so long. My daughter gets on there, and she's like a little monkey, and, and I hang out there, and I'm like, man, I'm feeling that 193 right there. I'm feeling it, and my fingers are feeling it. But if I get my foot up there and my arm up there, I can stay up there for a while. But a lot of times, we're just hanging, 
and our fingers get really sore from hanging. We got to use not only resist the temptation, but we got to resist it with the scriptures. Then it says here, he will flee from you. After 40 days, the devil left Jesus. The devil will leave you. He won't stay. But if he knows you're not resisting, he'll hang around a little longer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, will, he will be back. So you got to be ready. Just because you missed one, one bullet doesn't mean he's not going to come back again. You know, I, I have temptations now as a parent. As, you know, before, I didn't have to worry about children. Now I have children. Now it's a whole new temptation. It's a whole new set of worries. How are they going to grow up? Are they, are they going to be safe? Can I trust you? Know, you know, it's a whole new set of circumstances. And you're going through the same thing. So now that we know this, now that we go, when we go out there, let us enjoy our time out in the harvest. But let us be aware of how we handle temptation and decide that, hey, if I'm not doing it this way, then I'm going to change the way I'm handling my temptations. See, that's how you grow. You decide to make some changes. So let's enjoy the Harvest Festival. Let's meet and get to know each other. If you're visiting with us, we're so happy you're here. Why don't you enjoy your time? Taste the chili because it's a contest. But be tempted. This is for me. Be tempted just to grab one candy and not a handful. I mean, lately, I've been counting my calories, and that's been very, very helpful for me of what a maniac I am. <laughs> I am a maniac when it comes to food. And when, when Latin people overeat, it's obvious. <laughs> We're not like other people. When you, when you overeat, you're like, this is some skinny brothers who can eat whatever they want and you can't even tell. But for us Latinos, when we go, things go bad, you can tell they're really bad, right? Let's enjoy our festival. Have a great time today. Love you guys.